Hey everyone, welcome to episode 29 of The Daily Churn. Today will be a recap of all the things I churned in July, which actually, from a volume perspective, didn't turn out to be that many things. It actually financially ended up being a really big month due to some pretty big bonuses posting. But a big chunk of my time in July was actually spent selling a car that I had and then buying a new car, which if you've been keeping up with the car market, it is absolutely insane right now. And things ultimately ended up working out really well, but it was probably the craziest experience I've had since, I mean, like since being in jail in Japan. That's how surreal this process was, particularly the part where I bought a car at a car dealership. So if you've been thinking about selling your car since the market is pretty hot right now, or you've been considering buying a new car, definitely stick around for the second half where I'll kind of give a rundown of how exactly this whole thing went down and what the end result was. But from a purely churning perspective, it really was a very, very good month financially. So let's dive right in, starting with banks. All right. So the big one that you might have already guessed was the Wells Fargo business checking account that posted in July. This is the one where Wells Fargo was giving a $1,500 bonus for depositing $5,000. And that link to get a code to apply for this account was only up for like 24 hours before they pulled it. But during that time, a lot of people, myself included, and my P2 were able to get that link and open our business checking accounts at Wells Fargo. And I think I mentioned this in a previous recap, but we ended up spending like four hours at Wells Fargo getting everything done. So it was quite a quite a slog, but I'm glad the bonus finally posted because it was $1,500 for me and then $1,500 for my wife. So $3,000 total. Then on top of that, while I was at Wells Fargo, I was fixing an issue they had with a personal account that I had opened, which was for depositing $1,000 and you get a $300 bonus. So during that four hour trip, we fixed that as well. And that bonus also just posted in July. So total, I ended up getting $3,300 from Wells Fargo in July, which is just absolutely insane. I mean, I think this is the biggest bank account bonus for that little of a deposit requirement that's probably ever been posted. So if you got in on that, uh, kudos, definitely just such an amazing bonus. And I think everyone's pretty glad that it was all honored and the whole thing went pretty smoothly. So yeah, $3,300 from Wells Fargo in July. Then last month, I also opened a new Chase business bank account. And that offer was a $750 bonus for depositing $20,000 and making five transactions and holding that $20,000 with Chase for 60 days. And so pretty easy bonus. I think that is still up and alive. So if you have a business that you want to open with Chase, definitely worth doing. Just keep in mind that I don't know why it's always so slow when you have to go in branch and you will have to go in branch if you're applying as like a sole proprietor or single member LLC, which is what we were doing. But it took a full hour just to get all the things done. Whereas like when you apply online, maybe 10, 15 minutes of work, but in branch consistently, you can't get out of there without spending at least an hour. And so just kind of be prepared to set that time aside. But an hour for $750 is a pretty good return. It just takes an hour because they just do some crazy stuff. Like my banker printed out the entire terms and conditions, which it was probably like two, three inches thick worth of paper 
that she printed and she ran out of toner mid print because there were so many pages being printed and that easily added another like 20, 30 minutes to our trip. So just a couple things to keep in mind too, when you go to Chase to open a business bank account is that it really helps if you look up the NAICS codes, which are kind of like the business codes for your business type beforehand so that the bank who you're working with isn't trying to figure it out for you there. And so that can cut down on some time and also save you some headaches later because one of the times we opened a business checking account, we didn't really know what categories to choose. And so we just had them select other, other, other as like the three business types. And that ended up getting it flagged because they're like, your business is listed as other, other, other. And even though that's a valid selection, it's too vague for them to uh, want to have an account with you. And so we had to go in and correct that which took another like two hour trip back to Chase. So save yourself that headache initially and just know what your NAICS codes are going in. The other new thing that the banker did while we were there is that she showed me on your Chase profile how to link your Chase accounts together. So usually when you open a new business account, they'll give you a new username and password and now you have two separate logins. Chase is now added via self-service the ability to link your profile. So you can go into one of your Chase accounts and I think under profile settings somewhere, there's actually a link that will look up your other accounts and it'll connect them to the same username, which is pretty cool because now all of my Chase business accounts and my personal accounts all show up in one place. And before you had to have a banker do it, now you can just go online and do it yourself. And also worth mentioning too, because someone had asked in the comments, Chase doesn't pull your credit when you open a business bank account. So they're not going to see your like 524 status if you're worried about that. Then in July, I also opened a Huntington business checking account, which was pretty similar to the Chase one in terms of bonus. It was $750 for depositing $20,000. And the nice part with their $20,000 deposit is that you don't have to do it in one go. It's a cumulative $20,000. So you could put $10,000 in, take $10,000 out, then deposit another $10,000, and that would qualify you for the bonus. The main downside with the account, though, is that there is a $40 monthly fee. But that $40 is waived for the first three months. And then after the three months, you're allowed to change the account type. So you could move into a fee free account. And you do have to keep any account open for six months prevent them from clawing back your bonus. So the process sort of is to sign up for the $40 account. You don't pay a fee for the first three months. And then after three months, you downgrade it to a free account that you keep open until the sixth month. And then you contact them after month six to close your account. The issue though, is you have to do all of this over the phone, like the downgrading and the closing. So a little bit of a pain, but for $750, it's still a pretty big bonus. And my P2 actually did it back when the bonus was $1,000. And it was pretty smooth minus the downgrading thing, because while you're downgrading, there's probably going to be a month or two where you end up getting hit with that $40 fee while it transitions. That's sort of just, I think, the cost of getting that bonus. But for like $1,000, or I guess in this case, $750, because the bonus has gone down a little bit, it's still very much worth it. And so I think that promotion is still ongoing and I'll post a link to that on the dailychurnpodcast.com as well. And for the deposits, I tend to just use Ally because it's really easy and convenient. Like I really like Ally and their, their interface for scheduling things. 
The nice part with Huntington, when I added Huntington into Ally, it instantly added, like, there was no trial deposits to verify, which was kind of strange because I didn't sign in via played either. So I guess Ally, for some reason, instant adds Huntington, which is nice. And the ACH is like a two-day delivery, which is pretty fast. And Ally also, I mean, they've been raising their rates pretty much every couple weeks for the last few months now. I think the latest update I got from them, their interest is now at 1.6% on their savings. And I'm guessing that's going to go up more because the Fed is, is raising rates. But yeah, Ally, really good intermediary account to do a lot of these transfer ins and, and transfer outs. Then I also got a couple bonuses posted from First Tech Credit Union in July. So $300 for me and $300 for P2. And so that one was easy, but quite involved in terms of the requirements. It was three consecutive months of $1,000 of deposit activity. So it didn't require an employer direct deposit, which is always nice, but you did have to schedule things for three months. And the way you could do it is they wanted $1,000 of activity. So you could schedule Ally to push $500 in and then pull $500 out. And that counts as $1,000. Plus, they also wanted three months worth of 20 debit transactions totaling $500, which is quite a lot. But again, the way we did that was we just used Cash App where we would reload Cash App with $480 each month and then do another 19 $1 reloads. But the sort of annoying thing with Cash App is they throttle your transactions. So I couldn't do more than like five transactions back to back before it stopped working. And so we would sort of just spread that out where I do five for myself, five for P2 on day one, and then just do that for four days and just repeat that each month for three months. So really easy to meet, but kind of tedious. And so glad to be done with that. And the nice part with First Tech, though, is they do have a nice rewards tracker on the site. So you can see your progress towards meeting the qualifications each month. So did it for three months and the bonus just posted in July. And overall, I think it was a pretty good bonus for the amount of effort, like $300 times two. So yeah, $600 from First Tech. Then totally out of the blue in July, I got an Albert referral bonus posting, which was not expected because, you know, Albert is really very much a dumpster fire. And I was really happy a month or two ago when the $150 referral bonuses posted, like I wasn't expecting that because they'd like removed their referral tracker, their customer service, had no idea what was going on. It was a total mess, but those 150s had posted and I was pretty, you know, chuffed about that. But in July, a $500 referral bonus from Albert posted. So if you recall from a few months back, Albert had upped their referral bonuses to $500 on the same day they removed the referral tracker. So they removed any ability for you to track who they referred and also simultaneously upped the referral bonus to 500 which created a total mess because people were like, did I get referred? Did I not get referred? Then Albert wouldn't give out any info about your referrals unless you knew the email address and first name and last name and I think even phone number of the person who referred you. So the whole thing was very opaque and I wasn't expecting any of those $500 bonuses to post, but it actually posted. And what an insane bonus from like an insane company because $500 for referring someone is... Probably the biggest referral bonus I've ever seen, especially from an app bank. And the sad thing with Albert too, though, is that I actually use that Albert card like every week because they actually have a couple really good offers on it each week. 
which is you get 10% back at Shell up to $5 and 20% back at Whole Foods up to $5. So what that sort of translates into is, you know, getting $50 worth of gas at Shell, Albert will just instantly give you $5 back or getting $25 worth of food at Whole Foods, Albert just gives you $5 back on that, which is like a really good deal. And especially if you're in P1, P2 mode, the way we sort of do Whole Foods now is that we'll have two shopping carts where I'll check out with $25 worth of stuff and my wife will check out with $25 worth of stuff and we both use our Albert cards. And so a $50 shopping trip ends up being $40, which no one else is offering these kinds of discounts on groceries at Whole Foods. So I actually keep the Albert card in my wallet. So definitely kind of a shame that Albert has such poor communication and has left so many people with such a bad taste in their mouths from the way they handled their referral bonuses. But the thing is, these referral bonuses are actually posting and their card is actually sort of useful. So, you know, way to screw up the whole PR thing. And it's really a shame because this could have been pretty good and it actually is pretty good when it works. Finally, on the bank side of things, we've got Juno, which is another app bank. So they used to be on Juno. I think they rebranded to just Juno, J-U-N-O. And this is a weird one because I applied for Juno back in April and I just never heard back from them and my account wasn't approved. And I followed up like three, four times and eventually someone responded to me months later being like, we couldn't verify your identity. So you need to send in the usual stuff, like a copy of your driver's license and like a utility statement if you want to open your account. And at that point, I just didn't care enough to even send that stuff in anymore because I'm like, wow, the customer service really, really sucks. And out of the blue, a few weeks ago, I got an email from Juno being like, hey, you're approved. Welcome to Juno. And I never sent in any of their other stuff. So I think my guess might be, as with many of these uh, fintechy app companies, is that they're struggling right now with the way the market is. And somebody at Juno high up was probably just like, look, approve everyone in that pending queue so they can deposit money with us so that we don't go bankrupt. So I think that's how I ended up getting approved four months after I'd applied. And uh, yeah, I now have a Juno account. And the nice part with Juno, the reason I had originally applied was that via referral, they were giving a $100 bonus for depositing $250. And from some of the data points that I read, WISE, TransferWISE, will work to qualify for the dark deposit. And if you're not familiar with WISE, definitely check out the previous episode on employer dark deposits because I go super in depth into the cheapest possible method of doing these transfers with WISE in that episode. So definitely check it out. But yeah, I'm excited to try Juno now because, you know, I think I saw some things on DOC where they're offering like 10% cashback when you use USD coin to pay for things. They run those kinds of promos every so often. And so I just referred my P2 to Juno. And if you guys want to try Juno, I'll stick my referral link up there as well. And uh, yeah, we can all give it a go. All right, that was it for banks in July. So we've got the $3,300 from Wells Fargo, $600 from First Tech, $500 from Albert for a total of $4,400 from bank accounts in July, which is just absolutely insane. That is probably the biggest month I've had for bank accounts. And that is all just straight cash that we're getting, which is even crazier. And, you know, a lot of that was thanks to uh, Wells Fargo kind of just making it rain there. But 
Yeah, big month for banks. All right, so moving on to credit cards. So in July, I was still working on the two Wells Fargo credit cards that I'd opened in that same four-hour trip, and that was for three hundred dollars for spending three thousand dollars. So not great, not terrible, but the big appeal of that was that there was no hard pull because we did it during the business account opening. They just show you some pre-approved credit cards, so we got those cards. Without a hard pull, and because they are business cards, they don't show up on our personal credit report. So essentially, it was like two free cards: one for myself and one for P two. And so when those post, which hopefully will be in August, we just finished spend on them in July, but that would have turned that Wells Fargo trip into three thousand dollars from the business checking account, three hundred dollars from the personal checking account, and three hundred dollars times two for the two credit cards for a total of thirty nine hundred dollars. From Wells Fargo for four hours of work, which is just so crazy. But yeah, no bonus yet, but hopefully soon. Then I'm also still working on the U.S. Bank Triple Cash card. That one was for a $500 bonus for spending $4,500. So a little bit better than the Wells Fargo one. I just opened it to have as kind of a backup card when I apply for other cards because the nice thing with the Triple Cash. Is that you have six months to spend your forty five hundred dollars, which is always nice. But yeah, almost done with spend for that one. I also applied for a new Chase Inc. Unlimited card for the new business. I had my P two refer me, and you know, with these Inc. cards, I tend to like to spread them across my different businesses so that I don't have the same car type open for the same business multiple times just to be safe. And they're offering a twenty thousand point referral bonus right now, which they've been doing for a few months. But it's quite a good referral bonus. So I'll get seventy five thousand ultimate reward points for spending seventy five hundred dollars. Plus, my wife will get twenty thousand points from the referral. So after spend and everything, it will easily be over a hundred thousand Chase points. So quite a good bonus. And if you've been thinking about opening a new Chase Inc. and you're not in multiplayer mode. I'll put my link up on the site as well, and really appreciate it when you guys use them. But otherwise, that was it for credit cards in July. So nothing posted, but a lot of spend got finished. So hopefully in August, I'll start seeing some of those come in. Next up, we have cash back. I got fifty-eight dollars back from Capital One from a VRBO purchase I made. Like months ago, near the beginning of the year, and so basically, Capital One through their shopping portal is giving five percent cash back on VRBO, which is unique because no one really offers cash back on VRBO, and so I had a trip booked because I'd gotten a new Venture X card and I had some points coming in, and I kind of just gave up on that five percent cash back. So it'd been so long, but it randomly showed up in my account in July, so that was kind of nice. And the other cash backs I usually get from Capital One are for meal kits. And those usually post way quicker. And actually, I just gotten a tip recently from David, one of my listeners. Thanks, David. That the meal kit offers on the Capital One shopping portal have increased. I think it's now at sixty four dollars for Green Chef and fifty two dollars back for Hello Fresh. And those stack with whatever offer Green Chef and Hello Fresh are offering on their boxes already. So you can potentially end up getting a whole bunch of meals for essentially free once you get that cash back. So. Yeah, definitely a pretty good deal if you haven't done those yet. And one thing they're doing recently, because I just got some Green Chef and HelloFresh delivered in July, is that they're putting these like paper coupon things with codes on them that you can give to friends. 
and it gives your friend the first box free up to a certain amount. So with Green Chef, it's a free box up to, I think, $99, and you just pay the $10 shipping. And then HelloFresh is a free box up to $65. And so it ends up being like three or four free dinners. And a fully free first box can be nice because, you know, a lot of these meal kits, the way they structure their offer is it's like $200 off, but it's spread out across like five, six boxes. And the discount you get on the first box is something like 50% off of a first box instead of the full first box being discounted at 100%. And so, yeah, I've got like three of these cards from Green Chef and three from HelloFresh. So if anyone's been on the fence about trying these meal kits or want to try a different meal kit service and you haven't tried Green Chef or HelloFresh before, you're totally welcome to have these cards. Just leave me a comment under this episode on the dailychurnpodcast.com. I'll just do a first come first serve thing, maybe like one per person. So just let me know if you want a Green Chef one or a HelloFresh one. You do need a new account with these companies in order to use it. So it's probably more useful if you're in multiplayer mode or you have roommates, et cetera, et cetera. Next up, we have Visible. A couple folks joined in July using my referral code. So really appreciate it, you guys. The way I sort of value those referrals are at like $15 each because Visible service, once you join Party Pay, is only $25 a month for Unlimited. And, you know, my wife and I, we love Visible because of that. And then if you have an Amex Business Platinum, that knocks off $10 because Amex gives you a $10 wireless credit each month. So Visible can potentially only cost you $15 a month. But then when someone joins using a referral, Visible knocks the price down to $5 a month for one month. And then Amex credits you that $5 anyway, so it ends up being free. So the net effect is we end up saving $15 when someone uses the referral. So that's kind of how I figure out that $15 value. And those two referrals ends up being $30 on the Visible front in July. Finally, we have the thing that took up most of my time in July, which was selling a used car, which I ended up actually doing through Carvana and buying a new car through a dealership. So on the selling side of things, man, I wish I had just started with Carvana and didn't spend all this time trying these other methods because I think I probably would have saved at least 50% of the time because what I did was I started by going the more traditional route, like posting it on Craigslist and posting it on Facebook Marketplace and posting it on OfferUp, which is like an app that's pretty cool for selling various things. And uh, yeah, just dealing with flaky people, reaching out about the car and then not responding or scheduling a time to see the car and then not showing up. You know, I mean, it was just a lot of time wasted. And I also got quotes from pretty much every website and service out there in addition to Carvana. And Carvana beat everyone's quotes easily by like $5,000. And so ultimately, when I just had enough of Craigslist and Facebook, because I was trying to sell the car for like $2,000 above what Carvana offered me, and it just didn't pan out because Carvana's offer was just so good. And people on Facebook and Craigslist are just so flaky. And so I scheduled the pickup through Carvana and man, Carvana is amazing. Like the ads are real. They literally showed up at my house a couple days later at the time that I'd scheduled and they drove up in just a little like Carvana sedan and they had one person driving and one passenger and that passenger was going to be 
the Carvana agent that then would drive my car away. So they didn't even bring like a, a tow truck or a trailer or anything. That person was just going to drive my car. And the whole process took like 15 minutes. She spent maybe five minutes looking at the car. She didn't even open the hood. It was literally just kind of a eyeball scan around the perimeter. And I'd marked the car as in excellent condition. And it was probably pretty close to excellent, but there were some scratches and stuff on the side. And there were no issues with that at all. And uh, yeah, it was just such a smooth process that literally after 15 minutes, she left with my car. And right then and there, I got online and I bought some Carvana stock because I'm like, this was just amazing compared to the two, three weeks of me trying to do this myself. And, you know, luckily, actually, I timed that really well because Carvana now is up like 100% since like a month ago when I bought it. So kind of got lucky there. But yeah, really believe in the Carvana service. And if you've been thinking about selling a used car, honestly, at this point, I would just recommend skipping all of the effort and just going straight to Carvana. It just doesn't make sense to sell your car anywhere else right now, especially given how much Carvana is offering above Kelly Blue Book value. The only snafu I had with Carvana, though, was that the payment that they make to you, they do via ACH into your bank account. And it didn't show up for like a week and a half. And I finally contacted them and they were like, huh, it's so weird. For some reason, your sale never got fully finalized because I never even got an email from Carvana being like, congrats, you sold your car, etc. And I was worried for like a second there might be issues, but she was like, no, it's just like a weird logistical thing on our end. And she like clicked the button and I got all the emails from Carvana congratulating me on selling the car. And then the ACH money showed up in my account two days later. And my guess for why that happened was that the Carvana agent who picked up my car had an iPad and she was doing all of this stuff on the iPad. But I have terrible cell service where I live. Like my wife and I, we're sort of doing the whole homesteading thing and we're kind of out in the middle of nowhere with terrible cell reception. And so I think for whatever reason, that purchase just got stuck in the queue and there was no cell reception for her iPad to finalize everything. And they don't have a system to check to make sure everything got finalized. And so that's sort of why it got stuck and it was a super easy fix, but a little bit annoying that it didn't just happen automatically. So I would actually recommend to get a check from Carvana because they give you two options. Do you want your money via ACH, which takes a couple days, or do you want them to just bring a paper check? And in hindsight, I wish I just selected bring a paper check because then there wouldn't have been this delay with cell service and all that stuff. I could have cashed the check instead of spending like a week wondering why my money hadn't shown up. So not a big deal and probably won't affect most people, but just something to keep in mind. But yeah, that's where the bulk of my time in July was spent, was trying to sell the car myself for above the Carvana price, which didn't work out. But the other thing that ended up sucking up a lot of time and actually turned out to be way more stressful and frustrating was buying a new car at a car dealership. I don't know if this is just how it always is at car dealerships, and I've just had the good fortune to have never stepped foot into a car dealership up until now. But just what an absolutely insane experience it is. And I'm sure a lot of you guys listening who have done the car dealership thing are like, well, of course, that's just how it goes at car dealerships. But I kind of wonder if we just had a really bad one or if right now with the crazy market, it's causing dealerships to be like this. But 
I guess a bit of context, you know, for those who don't have a car or aren't trying to buy a car. It's a crazy market right now for cars. Like if you want to get a new car, you often have to put yourself on a wait list and wait months for inventory to come in, especially if you have a very specific kind of like trim or engine type or color that you're waiting for. And uh, yeah, dealers are really taking advantage of that. Like they're adding these market adjustment fees on top of MSRP. So back in the day, I remember buying a car where I just emailed the dealership's internet agent and offered them a price below invoice and emailed a few different places and got the best price below invoice. And that was it. A few months later, I picked up my car and it was done. Nowadays, people are paying above MSRP whether it's through these market adjustments or dealerships are just adding in a bunch of these like mandatory quote unquote upgrades on the car. Like they'll tint your windows or they'll add mud flaps or they'll put a ceramic coating on the car and then charge you like $800 for it. And there's no way you can say, I don't want it. Like this is how they're able to price these cars above MSRP. So these days people are just pretty happy if they get a car for like a few hundred dollars above MSRP and are ecstatic if they get their car within a few weeks. Like that's sort of the bar that's being set now with all of the supply constraints. And so I did like a ton of research, hours and hours of research on Reddit before buying the car. I called like 20 dealerships all over our state, a few dealerships even out of the state to see which one had the best price and best availability. And then finally, I found a dealership that was like an hour away, which is really good because some people are flying to other states to get the model that they want at MSRP and then driving at home. And so I was actually able to find the exact model that I wanted that was in stock and it was going for below MSRP and the dealership was only an hour away from me, which is just sort of amazing and unheard of. And I was kind of like skeptical that this was the case, right? And so I called them ahead of time because it's like a two hour round trip to go over there. And I wanted to confirm the price because it was going for below MSRP. And uh, yeah, the person I spoke with confirmed that this is the price out the door other than taxes. And so my wife and I got in the car and headed out and thought that it would be maybe an hour of time, maybe at worst two hours, the dealership to do all the paperwork. And, you know, I'd heard all the the standard horror stories of dealerships, right? But I thought I was ready for this. Like I've spent four hours at Wells Fargo. I've spent three hours at Chase, you know, so I'm used to kind of slogging it out. And, you know, I've traveled abroad where I've been hustled and scammed at markets and conned out of money. And, you know, I, I felt pretty confident in my abilities to handle myself at a dealership. But Boy, did we underestimate what was going to go down. I mean, TLDR, we spent five hours there and my mind has been blown at the sheer amount of thought, money and time that has been put into dealerships with the sole purpose of conning people out of money. Like they threw everything they had at me, like every tactic that you could imagine. There was like good cop, bad cop, uh, chain of like escalation, like delaying you, playing dumb, honest mistakes, and quite frankly, just straight out lying to my face multiple times over the course of five hours. And weeks later, you know, I'm still speechless and still kind of processing it all that this whole thing actually went down. Like it was so surreal, just the level of sheer 
deception that happens at a dealership and it was honestly more surreal than being in jail in japan which if you haven't heard that story that's i think episode eight the higher globalist episode where i kind of talk about what happened there but even that experience kind of pales to this experience at the dealership because it honestly felt like i'd been transported to this alternate reality and it was extra surreal because this dealership is only like an hour away from where I live. And these people all speak my language. They look like the people around me every day. Yet the things they are doing are just so counter to how American society works. So it was just such a strange experience. And, you know, ultimately it did actually end up working well for us. We eventually left that same day with the exact model car that we wanted for below MSRP in the current crazy market. But it took five hours and all of my skills to get to that point. Like it sort of reminds me of um, there's a show right now on Netflix called Alone, where they put these 10 people on like a remote place. Right now, I think it's in some wilderness in Canada and they have to survive for 100 days. And the only types of people that can even go on the show are these like trained survival experts who just for fun will go out into the woods and survive for 30 days. And when they interview those people and they're like, why do you want to go on this show? They're like, well, I want to test my skills. I don't want to just learn these skills and then have nowhere to like execute on my abilities to like hunt a deer and kill a bear for my actual survival. Because at home, you can always just call your wife, she can pick you up, or at any point you can leave. But on this show, you're stuck there for up to 100 days. And so you're really putting all those skills that you learn to use. And I sort of felt that way at the dealership where I was like, man, everything that I've done, everything I've learned, every churning thing I've done, every like system or workaround I've analyzed and even my time in Japanese jail, navigating that unfamiliar environment, all of it has brought me to this point in time where I'm going to use every skill that I know to get out of this place with a car that's as close in price as possible to the price that they had agreed to on the phone five hours earlier. And honestly, I only actually partially succeeded. We ended up walking out with the car that was $800 more than the price that they told me over the phone. But I still consider it a win because it was still like $1,000 below MSRP, which just doesn't really happen right now. And if it wasn't for the fact that it was almost 10 p.m. and we had dogs at home that hadn't had dinner because we didn't expect to be gone that long, I know I could have gotten that price that they quoted over the phone, but it would have taken like an extra hour of work and it just wasn't worth it to us anymore. We were still getting a good deal, but that's how they get you. They purposely wear you down to that point where we just gave them $800 for absolutely no reason. That was $800 of pure profit. It was a 100% margin on them for that $800 and they got it, you know? It took five hours, but they got it. And if you just think about all the people who walk out of that dealership without investing that time, the thousands of dollars that people are overpaying at that dealership just blows my mind. And I understand why they did the things they did because it works. And uh, yeah, I just um, have never had an experience like that. And uh, now that I'm talking about it, I'm actually getting pretty worked up just thinking about that experience. And so 
I think maybe the next episode I do might be on Carvana and dealerships and buying and selling a car right now because、uh, it's difficult. But I think it can be a lot easier if you do some things differently. And hopefully, my experience saves folks some time and money when they're ready to sell their car or, or buy a car. But Yeah, that was a bit of a tangent, I know, but it just took up so much of my July that I, I thought I had to at least mention it. And、um, yeah, maybe keep an eye out for the next episode if, if that kind of stuff interests you. Okay, so getting back to churning, we've got the final tally. So on the bank side of things, we had Wells Fargo for $3,300, First Tech for $600, Albert for $500 for a total of $4,400 on banks. Then cash back, just the $58 from Capital One for VRBO. And cell phones, a couple referrals for $30 for a total of $4,488 in July. Yeah, absolutely amazing month. I mean, you know, I, you guys know my goal is roughly $1,000 a month. So getting over $4,000 and just from banks is crazy. I mean, I should just take like a four month churning vacation, but I probably won't. I've got some other things coming in too. But Yeah, that's it for the recap. As always, there's links and referral codes on the dailychurnpodcast.com. Really appreciate it when you guys use one of those. And if anyone wants those free meal kit codes, just leave me a comment on the site as well. Otherwise, I will catch you guys next time. Thanks for listening. See ya.